Hey everybody, I'm super fired up for this guest. It is with great privilege to have with us on tonight, former top 60 ATP Tour player, currently in his fifth season at his alma mater, where he had a ridiculously crazy good collegiate career, Stanford University, men's director of tennis and head tennis coach, Paul Goldstein. Coach, thank you so much for taking some time tonight and walking us through your tennis journey. David, it's my pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm much appreciated and looking forward to this. So why don't we start? Why don't you give us like a quick uh, heartbeat on your squad? I know the fall season's completed and you have a good mix, some underclassmen, some upperclassmen. You have a little break and then uh, spring season go full throttle ahead. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think that I'd start by saying that I have just such an immense respect and admiration for these young men who are just working so hard and so accomplished and I'm, they're, they're competing in the classroom every day with literally the, the best and brightest in the world and here I am out in the tennis court for several hours every day uh, pushing them to get better and they're competing with the best in the world and, and on the on the tennis court as well so I think I'd just first start by saying how much uh, how much respect and admiration I have for each and every one of them uh, what a privilege I, I feel like it is to, to work with the young the young men with whom I get to, the opportunity to work with every day. Uh, we had a, a really strong year last year, somewhat of a disappointing postseason loss. Lots a handful of uh, seniors and leaders, uh, but have some guys. We had a really deep team last year, some really quality players who didn't get a chance to, to play quite as much as, as they frankly deserved, and we'll have opportunities to step up and play this year. So it's exciting. We finished up a fall, had some good results. Um, some transition for our freshmen who are just sort of transitioning to college tennis uh, and, and, frankly, collegiate life, not just tennis, but collegiate life. And so we're excited to get back in January um, for a little bit of uh, training and then get right into the dual match season sort of mid-January. And that, and then it's a sprint for about five, six months or five, four or five months as we uh, get to, towards Pac-12 championships and NCAA championships in May. Right, so sounds good. The boys will rest up, and then, uh, like we said, full throttle ahead. So we'll all be following. So you obviously had a um, have quite a history within the sport. So if you don't mind, let's kind of we do this with all our guests, and I love hearing the different stories of how people wound up where they did. If you don't mind, kind of walk us through how you got involved in the sport. Did your parents play? Did you have siblings who played? Um, kind of walk us through that. Well, I had uh, two older brothers who were athletic, not necessarily played a lot of tennis. My oldest brother didn't play any tennis, but we're certainly, he was certainly athletic. My middle brother played some tennis up until he was about 12, 13 years old. I'd say tennis was one of many sports that I picked up when I was 7, 8 years old. Uh, well, I started playing tennis at 7, 8, but played multiple sports really until I was 12, 13, until I got into high school. Uh, at about 10 years old, I started getting more serious about my tennis. I think the way I got exposed to it is just, again, older brother who played a little bit. Uh, some friends. I remember one time uh, I was at a buddy's house, and his mom came, sort of rushing into the room at one point, and was like, "Jay, Jay, Jay! I completely forgot you have this tennis lesson. Paul, I know you're here. Would you mind just sort of watching the lesson for an hour? Maybe I should play a little bit afterwards." And so I said, "Sure." And I went to that lesson and watched, and I hit a little bit afterwards. And the person with whom my friend had the lesson said, "Hey, you look like you love this sport. You want to start taking lessons?" And I did from that. Uh, from that individual, and that's really how I got into it. Uh, the summer I was 10 years old, I started playing a lot every day. Instead of going to an all-sports camp, went to just sort of a tennis facility and played every day. And so I started playing tennis year-round when I was 10. 
And, but again, played multiple sports up until I got to high school and then gave up basketball, baseball, soccer uh, once I got to high school and, and stuck with the tennis. That's, that's crazy. So, I mean, we're going to get to your awesome results. I mean, you won Kalamazoo three years in a row. But before we obviously get to that point, is there something that maybe clicked in your head as you were starting to go through the tennis, the, the junior tennis journey that said, you know what, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I, I may be able to do something with this sport. Was there, was there an instant or maybe was there a couple tournaments in a row where you had really good results? You said, you know what, this is my sport. There was never an, uh, an instant that clicked and said, hey, I could be pretty good. I felt like more was to always try to be better. And when I would have good results, it would just inspire me to try to work harder and do better. And if anything, it would make me feel like there was so much more to improve. Now, having said that, I do feel like something resonated with me about the sport, about the individual nature of the sport, about this fact that it's this ultimate meritocracy where you know no one could prevent you from working as hard as you possibly can and no matter who you're playing it's not like a, a coach can not play uh, I guess a little bit in college tennis but up until then no and I think there was something very self-motivating about that the nature of the sport the nature what's endemic to the sport that individual you get out there got to figure it out yourself and that just really resonated with me throughout and what kept driving me to, to continue playing. I I think the other benefit I had is there's so much information out there now, there's so much knowledge out there now, I think I was blissfully naive in that I never knew what the next step was until I passed the prior step, but I never got too many steps ahead. I mean, I started by playing a, a local not even state tournament. I think it was like a local regional tournament. I played a state tournament, won that. Then I was at a sectional tournament. Started doing well there. Uh, my goodness, you do well sectionals, you get to go play national. Cool, let's go do that. Did well national. Cool, let's go play some international. Next step, college. Next, and so I just never skipped a step, but partly because I didn't know what the step two steps ahead was. Right. I got there. <laughs> uh, and so that, I thought that was potentially helpful for me. It just seemed to take a lot of pressure or burden off. Uh, and all those things really resonated with me. And man, when I, I think if you had told me at the beginning of my professional career after I graduated college, which I had this really wonderful experience, if you had told me at the beginning that I would have had the, the results that I had, I'd have taken it in a heartbeat. But once you get into it as any competitor, uh, you know, I got to 60 in the world. And at that point, you know, if you had told me 10 years prior, you're going to get to 60 in the world, I said, you're crazy. There's no chance. But once you get there, you know, 50's not that far off, and so I'm disappointed I didn't get there. Right, right. Well, there's obviously something to be said for not skipping any steps and be successful at each and every step before you look too far ahead. So um, thanks for sharing that. As I mentioned earlier, you, you won Kalamazoo, the boys' 16s in 92. You then won the boys' 18s in 1993, and you repeated in 1994. You were the first player to capture three consecutive national championships. Obviously, you had a choice of your schools who would love to uh, – have had you play collegiately for them. Talk a little bit about um, maybe what schools were out there and at the end of the day, um, how Stanford won out. Well, as you mentioned, I was fortunate enough to, to, to win Kalamazoo a couple times. And one, one of the benefits in the 18s of winning Kalamazoo is the opportunity to play in the U.S. Open. So that was some exposure to some uh, professional level tennis. I wasn't a professional. I didn't accept the prize money, but it was exposure to the highest uh, to, to high-level tennis. And it was pretty clear to me, despite having some success in the juniors, that I wasn't ready to make the transition professionally at 18 years old. 
physically I wasn't mature enough. Uh, I did, probably didn't know it at the time, but emotionally, certainly I wasn't mature enough either. And so I was excited about, you know, matriculating through college, uh, went out to Stanford for a visit. I had heard of uh, the reputation of Stanford, both from an academic institution as well as the tennis program, and then in particular, Coach Dick Gould, who I ended up playing for. And so I'd heard a lot about them, about all those things, again, the school, the campus, and then went out for a visit, and I tell you, it was not hard to fall in love with the place when I first got there, and I really did not take any other you know, significant visits and was uh, excited about the opportunity to come here once it, once it became a possibility for me, so... You know, I'm in a situation now where I see young people sort of really stress about that decision. And for me, I was, again, blissfully unstressed about it because I felt really good about uh, the opportunity here and was very fortunate to have the opportunity. And so uh, it w- it became a, a, a pretty, I don't know, easy is not the right word, I don't think. But, uh, no, I understand. Uh, pretty I natural. And you ended you've... up not stressing too much throughout the, that process, fortunately. Yeah, and, and fortunately, I think it worked out just uh, quite okay for you. I mean, you won four-team uh, national championships. You were honored as an All-American each of your four years. You capped your career with a Pac-10 Player of the Year honor in 1998. Um, you played the finals of the NCAA tournament against your teammate. We all know who that is, Bob Ryan. Um, your team, some of those teams were ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, what uh, it, it couldn't uh, – I don't think you could have uh, – Wished anything else through your uh, your collegiate career? It was a tremendous experience, not only on the uh, uh, on the tennis court, but truly the whole Stanford experience. And uh, what you just didn't mention there is the friends that I made outside of the tennis world that I have for life. We just had our you know twenty year reunion and had a bunch of people come back and stay with me, and those are my best friends, and, uh, as well as the guys who I played with, who I saw a reunion as well. Uh, as well as Mike and Bob, who I keep in touch with. And so it was just it was an amazing experience. And Coach Gould was a tremendous mentor to me, remains that remains one to this day. Um, you know, I was very fortunate in my tennis career to have lots of lots of amazing me- memories and experiences. I had some wins over guys who were number one in the world, ATP, Novak Djokovic. I uh, had opportunities to compete on stadium courts at Grand Slams, U.S. Open, Australian Open. Uh, but by far and away... My fondest memories on a tennis court are winning national championships with my teammates. Those are guys that you become your best friends, become your brothers, uh, and you share a common goal at the beginning of every season, and you're working collectively towards that goal and to be able to achieve sort of that achieve that goal and achieve the ultimate accomplishment in college tennis four years in a row. Those moments are my fondest memories on a tennis court, uh, despite all the travel around the world that I had uh, and what have you. And so... The experience in college, again, four national championships as a team, a credit from the from the top goes to Coach Gould and Coach Whitlinger, who were tremendous leaders, and leaders on the team when I was a freshman, Jeff Salzenstein, Ricky Becker, Grant Elliott, who taught us about thinking of others first and thinking of uh, team first uh, and sharing those experiences over the course of four years with teammates who become great friends. Again, Mike and Bob, Jeff Abrams, who's back at Stanford now as well as our director of sports medicine. Um, it's really just an amazing, seminal experience in my life. 
and I feel really grateful for it. That's great. So you, you come off four years of an unbelievable experience and you head on to the professional tour and you kind of touched on um, some of the, the really great accomplishments you had. You had a good 10-year career, U.S. Open double semifinalist. You had wins, like you said, over Novak, over James Blake, your friends James Lake, Marty Fish, um, Leighton Hewitt, to name a few. Um, what we also didn't, uh, some names that I also didn't uh, touch on uh, are some of the greatest guys in the U.S. in the U.S. tennis generation were already on tour waiting for you. And Andre, Pete, Michael, Jim. I, I, I know we can talk for hours on this, but I, I'm going to kind of pass the baton over to you and kind of ask you, you know, what was that like? Was it motivating to you? Was it intimidating? Um, did any one or two guys kind of take you under your wing? Can you share some, some cool stories with those guys maybe that you learned or maybe some things that um, you definitely want to take away from and some things that you knew you didn't want to take away from? Just kind of, like I said, I'm going to pass this one on to you and, and you, you go. Well, I think one of the amazing things that Coach Gould did is he created the Stanford tennis family, many of whom, many of the players that he coached ended up making an impact at the professional level. And so some of the Stanford tennis alums who were out on tour when I got there were guys like Jonathan Stark, uh, Alex O'Brien, Jared Palmer. Um, and these are guys who, when I first got out on tour, they're Jim Grab. Uh, that I immediately made a connection with that because of that Stanford connection, and, and I credit Dick Gould for that, um, would look out for me. And there'd be a practice partner everywhere you go because of that. There'd be someone to go have dinner with if you're in a new in, in a town, a, new, a city for the first time playing an event. Um, there's mentorship and guidance, which in tennis, if you think about it, those people who I'm talking about are also my competitors. Right. It's an individual sport. For <laughs> uh, them to sort of reach out, again, take you to dinner and, and serve as a mentor was, was really valuable. Again, I'm grateful for that. Uh, in the U.S., outside of Stanford, uh, I, I do, I really have to highlight Jim Courier, uh, who I've got a ton of respect for. Here's a guy with one of the strongest work ethics you will ever see, maniacal work ethic. Uh, he would describe himself as maybe not the most talented player. That's not me talking because I think he's got a lot more talent than he gives himself credit for. Uh, but just by sheer will and work ethic and strength and determination, you know, got himself to be number one in the world. And despite the French Open titles, I think he's most proud of getting to the finals of Wimbledon, where I think he lost to Edberg. I think he beat Edberg in the stem. I can't remember. Um, but that wasn't his surface. And for him to get to the finals of Wimbledon, I know something he's really proud of. And I used to train Jim with Orlando. I used to train there quite a bit. And I, and I just, I'd sleep on his couch. And he took me in, and we'd train. And, um, but he let me sleep, in, sleep on his couch. And uh, a funny story, I guess. Here I am, like a, a guest in his home, uh, was cooking eggs one morning, getting up early to, to uh, get some practice in. Six thirty in the morning, I'm cooking eggs, and I said, "And I there's steam going." I set off the fire alarm for nine hours. Six thirty in the morning, just he wasn't practicing until noon the next day or something like that. I got the fire uh, people coming over, and I'm at seven o'clock in the morning. I felt terrible. I still feel terrible about that. But Jim was one guy who absolutely uh, went above and beyond in terms of guiding me, mentoring me, and supporting me, and 
Uh, just got a ton of respect for him. I also have to say Andre was incredibly gracious and great and uh, generous with me, uh, both with his time, practice, insight, um, and so uh, another another guy who I'm, I'm particularly fond of. No, that's great. Thanks for sharing. And, and you talk about you know when you're in when you're in the collegiate atmosphere, everything's taken care of, right? You're with the team, you're with the coach. You got you got your meals planned. You got your travel. Got travel all planned out. Everything's taken care of for you. It's the coach who takes care of all that, which I now know. Right. <laughs> but when you go on tour, right, now it's every man for himself. And hearing you just speak and, and say what you did, you didn't feel like you were totally out on an island all by yourself. And that's a credit to, you know, the Stanford um, culture that is that is put in place. And that even though those guys are your competitors, they know, hey, this kid just came out, new kid on tour, let's make sure we uh, – we steer them in the right direction. And again, I think that says volumes about the culture that was instilled where you went to school. And, um, you know, you see it a lot with the, with the Aussies, right? A lot of those guys travel together and take care of each other. Now you're seeing a lot with the, with the younger U S guys on tour. They all seem to be traveling, practicing and hanging out together. So I think there's something to be said about that. And I, I appreciate you, you sharing those, uh, that information and those stories with us. Yeah, you bet. And I think you're right. I think, uh, there's connections that U.S. tennis players, not necessarily guys who spent time in school, but just from the same country, and there you see it, especially in social media, guys supporting one another. I've seen a lot of shout-outs, for example, uh, as Riley Opelka wins a couple challengers here at the end of the year. Uh, guys like Francis and Jack and uh, Taylor Fritz are posting stuff, congratulating him. Uh, and congratulating Tommy Paul. So I think you see that for sure. It's I think the decision there is one that uh, uh, you know it's a it's an individual lifestyle. But if you choose to be so competitive with um, with the guy with your competitors off court, then it could be a pretty lonely lifestyle. Right. Uh, and so I think that is what's going on there. No, that's um, a good point. Yeah, and I think it's in contrast to. If you go back, back in the day, yeah, I think the Aussies stuck together, but some of our U.S. players, you know, I don't know that, I think Mac and Connors, for example, um, have a tremendous amount of respect for each other back then and still today, but I don't know that they were quite as friendly Right. the guys on the tour, and I'm sure there's some people who are somewhat nostalgic for that. It feels like it makes for better competition if you sort of leave the friendship, or yeah. just not as much friendship, but... It's, uh, I, I definitely agree that the, the young guys yeah, are supportive of one another. So um, you're on tour for 10 years, obviously had a very, very solid career. And then you chose to do something completely outside of tennis. Now, I know you kind of stayed involved in, in some committees and everything, some USTA committees. And I'm sure you were hitting with some good juniors who were out in the area where you were living at the time. But the decision to get off tour, was that something that you had an opportunity in the corporate world and were like, I just want to get away from tennis for a little bit, see what else is out there? Um, talk a little bit about your decision to go into corporate life and kind of step away for a little bit. Well, i fortunate again to play for 10 years. Um, probably the most fortunate I will ever be is the fact that my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, wife, uh, agreed to marry me. And uh, my first five years on tour, excuse me, I guess my, after we got married, I saw another three, four years on tour. And really what happened was I was still playing when I decided to stop, but we had uh, we started a family, and my wife gave birth to our first 
uh, daughter and was on maternity leave and went back to work. And after maternity leave, sort of coincided with the U.S. Open there in 2007. And was a, a good transition time for me to stop playing and, and feel like I could share some of the uh, responsibilities of, of raising our family with my wife. Um, and not be traveling 30, 35 weeks a year. So that was part of the decision. Uh, I was motivated always to try things outside of tennis. was very fortunate to have this experience that um, provided a network and some opportunities outside the sport. And was quite happy in working in an innovative company. I stayed involved with tennis uh, with some a little bit of coaching, some, some USTA committees, and so was able to stay involved with tennis. Enjoyed my experience outside the the tennis world, but was thrilled to have the opportunity to get back into it uh, with the with the coaching opportunity here at Stanford, coming back to my alma mater. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, good experience both. <laughs> so, hey, uh, well, obviously, I mean, we're we're glad you're back involved in tennis full time. I know Stanford is is obviously very happy to have you. Um, as their as their coach, and I know you're happy to to be back at where you've had so many great memories, um, so many like you said friendships that last a lifetime, and to pass on what um, you learned from your mentors to now pass that on to the the students that you're coaching. It's it's obviously very rewarding, and um, I know you're having a blast. You're having a blast doing it. So. We've been recording for a little bit now. I know it's a, a Friday night when we're doing this. I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I wanted to thank you, Coach, um, so much for sharing um, sharing your tennis journey with us. I wish you a great rest of the year, and uh, best of luck in 2019, both uh, personally and professionally. I appreciate you doing this, Coach. You bet, David. All the best to you, and good luck. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Coach Paul Goldstein. That was really cool of him to share. Um, some of his journey with us. I hope you enjoyed that and look forward to hearing another podcast in the near future. Thanks. <laughs>